This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. You're not doing me a favor, you're going for yourself. Why? Because where you're going to go, you're going to become rich, and you're going to become famous, and you're going to have children. Right? Many questions on this. Why is that a test? If I tell you that where you're going to go, you're going to do great. So big deal. So you went. That's not a big deal. So we learn from here that even if I tell you you're going to do great where you're going to go, it's still very hard to leave your environment. The hardest thing to do is to change your environment. People don't like to change their environment. Eskimos don't go to Flor- don't go to move to Florida. Floridians don't move to Alaska because you're happy where you are. So even if someone offers you a better place to go, you're not comfortable to go there. So for Avraham Avinu, but there's a very beautiful Dvatar. It says that Lech Lecha, Kosh Baruch was saying that even though I'm telling you that it's going to be great, I want you to go because I'm being mitzavah you. Not because you're going to have a good time there, not because you're going to do great there, but I want you to go because for you it's a good thing to do. Okay, so so the beginning of, of Pasha Lech Lecha, Avinu, is leaving his, his, he had a yeshiva, he had a Beis Yaakov, he had all kinds of stuff going on. And Kosh Baruch Hu says, give it all up. Because really, what you're, what, what you're doing is, uh, the, the people that you made in Charon, right? What does he say? He took his wife, he took Lot, he took all their property. And the people who made Bali Chuvas. What happened to all these people? We don't hear about them anymore after Pasha Lech Lecha. He had a whole yeshiva, he had a whole base Yaakov, he had a lot of people that, that were, that were um, Megayer. And then the next Pasha, we hear about Yitzchak, we hear about Yaakov, we hear about the Shvatim. What happened to all the yeshiva boys? All the base Yaakov girls, they're not... Right? What happened to these people that he made in Charon? So the Teretz is, Asha'asu, what does it mean you made a person? How do you make a person? He says, because the Ramavino had, had the Kayach... That he would, he would be makar of people. Um, he didn't give musr, he didn't criticize people. He brought them to Hashem by bringing them into his house that, oh, you like the steak that I'm about to give you? Make a bracha. Thank God. You, you, you're happy that you have water to drink? Thank God. It came from a very, very positive, um, very positive place. Yesterday, um, I had a teacher in my car, whatever, and I get into a whole story, and I had to go down mincha. And I pulled in front of the shul, very chasidish shul. And I pulled into a spot that was to the left of the door of the shul. And I saw this man looking at me, and he was like really angry at me. I didn't know what was going on. Like, you're angry, I'm going to that Like, what's the deal? I got out of the car, and he says to me, we are not modern Orthodox people like you. I was like, Okay, maybe, okay. Pink tie might be giving it away. Could be. Um, I say, excuse me? Because we're not modern Orthodox people like you. You can't park here with a woman in your car. So my kind anger started to flare up. I was about to tell him, what are you, what are you, what are you out of your mind? Maybe I'm about tshuva, and I'm never going to go that mincha again. Like, you don't know like, you don't know who you're talking to. Like, like this might be the biggest turnoff. Like, I'm coming to pray. I'm going to down with Hashem, and you're yelling at me about some lady that's sitting in, and she's sitting in my car, right? Okay. I actually did something that, because I'm getting older, I actually said, you know what? I'm going to move my car. 
when I got back in the car, and I said to her, I'm, I'm really, you know, sorry, but I have to move a car. She said, why? It's a great parking spot. I'm like, well, you know, they don't appreciate a woman being, like, in the parking spot right in front of Shul. She was like, that's ridiculous. I'm like, don't get into it. It's your Shul. And if you look around the parking lot, you'll see there's no other women. And I moved the car. And I went to that Mincha. And I went looking for this guy. And when I finally finished that Mincha, I went over to him. And I said, I wish you would have said it with Shema. I wish you really meant what you said. But you didn't do it, Lishma. You did it to hear yourself talk. And this was an older man, and he looked at me like, like, who do you think you are? What do you, what do you, what? I said, I'll explain to you why I'm saying what I'm saying. I said, what you could have said when I got out of the car is, it's uncomfortable for us to have a woman parked in front of the shul. I would have moved the car. If you really meant it with Shema because them and we don't appreciate a lady sitting in the front front of the shul, every guy that walks by, it's a from lady with hair covered everything, but they don't appreciate it. Fine. I hear it's coming from a good place. But the minute you started with the you're a modern Orthodox Jew, it wasn't it wasn't coming from the right place. And it wasn't going to the right place. I said Avramavino didn't talk like that. And he was like getting all red. And I said, in next week's parsha, parsha Vayera, so it says that Avraham Avinu told the angels that look like Arabs, not modern Orthodox Jews, but Arabs, three Arabs, he said, please take some water and wash your hands and drink some water and wash your hands and wash your feet. Says Rashi. Why he say that? Why wash your feet? Because the Arabs used to bow down to the sand. They lived, they were nomads. They lived in the desert. So their god was the sand. So they used to bow down to the sand. So Ramavino didn't want them to bring their Avaita Zara into the, into the house. But he didn't say, listen, no Avaita Zara in my house, you guys, modern Orthodox Arabs, whatever you are. Don't you bring Avaita Zara into my house. He didn't even tell them anything about that by Zara, even though that was the reason. He said, just could you wash your feet? And they thought he was just a nice guy that wanted, you know, coming out of the desert, your feet are hot and swollen. Wow, look at this man. He's such a nice guy. He's asking us to wash our feet. He didn't even mention to them that I want you to wash your feet because it's a Zara. I said, that's someone who's L'shem Shemayim. You're not L'shem Shemayim. Why did you attack me? First, I'm not modern Orthodox. I said, could be. I, I have a pink tie and I wasn't wearing a hat, Right? But I'm not modern orthodox. I didn't get into that. I'm right, but what I do and everything. I wasn't. I'm not modern orthodox. And if you really were doing it with you just should have said, "Listen, we're Hasidic people, and we're a little uncomfortable." I said it would have been very wow. Like that's right. You know, I, I respect that. But the minute you started attacking me, this was about you, not about me. I walked away. A person has to be. You have to be. You have to be within yourself to understand when you give criticism to someone, how to give criticism to someone, and and where it's coming from. Even Abraham Avinu with Lot, when he told Lot, "You go, I'm going one way, you're going the other way." He didn't say because you're a Ganef, you're a low life, your animals are eating another. He just said. He came up with the whole story. If you look in the parsha, what was really happening? What was really happening is that Avram had had sheep. 
and Lot had sheep, and Lot's sheep were going into other people's fields and they were stealing. They were eating other people's food without permission. And Avram Avinu went to Lot and he said, the Medrash says, he said to Lot, you can't do this. Avram Avinu's sheep had muzzles. You know, you ever see these very dangerous dogs? So they, when, they, when they're in the street, they have a thing on their mouth that keeps their mouth closed, called a muzzle. Avram Avinu did, let, did not let his sheep graze in other people's fields, so he would muzzle them. And then he would bring them into his field and he would unmuzzle them. But he would never let them eat in other people's fields. So now he didn't want Lot to be stealing and doing what he's doing. So he wanted Lot out of there. Because the problem with Lot was that his shepherds were fighting with Aram shepherds. And maybe Aram shepherds are going to also go, why? And this is a different share called, valid, called rationalization, which I've given here. That we all rationalize the bad things that we did. So what did Lot answer Avram when he said, your sheep are eating in other people's fields? He said, your sheep are eating in other people's fields. That's not, you're not allowed to do that. It's stealing. What did Lot say? He says, what are you talking about? By the Brisbane Absarim, Hashem said to you that all this land is yours. So if all the land is yours, my sheep are eating in your field. That's okay. So Avram Avinu said, no. It's only mine when we capture Eretz Yisrael. But until then, it's not mine. Lot said, no, it's like, it's, it's yours already now. So he was like a big tzaddik. He was like, he rationalized. I'm not stealing. It's yours, Avram. Avram said, it's not mine. I don't let my sheep eat in, other, in the other field. It will be mine when we capture this, you know, Eretz Yisrael. But until then, it's not mine. So now he has to get, he has to get Lot out of there. So what should have he said, Lot? It was this guy, and he was telling me to get my sheep out of there. What would he told me? He would have said, you're gone if your sheep are gone if your shepherds are gone if get out of here. If you look in the parasha, Avram Avinu, said to, to Lot, we don't have enough grass between the two of us for all our sheep. So, either you go one way, I'll go the other way. But only for a financial reason. Because there's only a certain amount of grass and we have too many sheep. He never told him, you're a god if you're a lowlife, get out of here, I can't be near you. He never gave a muster like that. He said, what are we going to do? There's too much grass. I mean, there's too much sheep. We don't have the grass. What do you do to the angels? He didn't tell the angels, you avoid the Zora guy. Don't bring your avoid the Zora into my house. We're not comfortable with this. He said, you wash your feet, you know, you need to cool off. But a person, when you, you learn from Avram Avinu that when you give Musr, you need to go into yourself and know, is it, is it that I really want to help this person or is it about me, about me hearing myself say what I have to say? I was very hurt yesterday. Very, I hope he's listening to this year. He's not, but... It's very hurt. Like, like, what are you attacking me for? Just say, we're not comfortable. A lady sitting in the front. I hear you. Because when I looked around the parking lot, there are no other ladies in the parking lot. I hear you. So we're not comfortable. A lady in the front. Please move, you know, could you move your car? I would have moved my car. I moved it anyway. But what's with the modern Orthodox Jew? Like, what, what? What, what, what are we, is, is this a, is this, are we having a discussion about modern Orthodoxy? Like, what are you attacking me? Because I have a pink tie? Okay, so. Yes, I wasn't wearing a pink tie. I was wearing a blue tie anyway. So you have to go inside yourself before you give someone muster, and you have to know, you know where it's coming from, if it's coming from a real place, or it's not coming from a real place. And we see the Midos of Avraham Avinu. We see it in next week's Pasha. We see it with Lot. Again, he didn't tell Lot that you're a Ganif. He told Lot, it's not good for business. This is not good for business. We, we have so much sheep, and we don't have enough grass. So Lot said, okay, I'm going to go to Sodom. They have a lot of grass. Okay? Anyway, that's a, that's a very important lesson to learn. But, there is a Rashi in this week's parasha. 
a little known Rashi because it's all the way at the end of the Pasha. And when you go to Yeshiva, you learn the beginning of the Pasha. When you, when you do your Pasha sheets, they never go to the end of the Pasha. It goes to Shlishi, Ravi. So most people don't know the end of Pasha. They know the first half of the Pasha. I think in schools they need to start teaching from the back of the Pasha. Forwards, because we never learn. We never learn the end of the pasha, and the, the pasha in the summer, the eight weeks of the summer, nobody knows anything about them, because you're not in school anymore. So nobody ever learned those altogether. In the end of, who learns it? When you get to learn it, you're in camp. When you're learning it, so at the end of the pasha is the most amazing Rashi, and I'm talking about it a whole week to everybody, high school, seminary, anybody I meet in the street, gas station attendant, whoever I meet, tell everybody. Like, you want to hear a good Vatari? He's like, what is that? Okay. Anyway, end the Pasha Listen to this. I get ex- I still get excited about learning. It says like this. Sakush Bochu tells, tells Avram Avinu that you have to have a bris mila. Problem is, there was no mile. How's he going to have a bris mila? There's no Jewish mile. So, the Pasha says the following. Avraham ben Tishim v'Tesha Shana. Avraham was ninety-nine years old. Behimolo b'sar oloso. Now, what it should say, he was ninety-nine years old when he gave himself a bris. He's the one who gave himself a bris. There was no one else to give him a bris. So the pasuk should say, Avraham Avinu was ninety-nine years old when he gave himself the bris. But that's not what it says. It says he was ninety-nine years old when he was circumcised. So it seems to be he didn't give himself the bris. Or it would have said that he gave himself the bris, but it doesn't say it. It says when he was circumcised, it means someone else circumcised, somebody else gave him the bris. So this bothers Rashi. So it says the following. Behimolo. Not tell Avraham Sakin. Avraham took a knife. Well, and he wanted to cut, to do the bris, to circumcise himself. And he became very scared. Because he was very old. Do you understand that? I've spoken about this before, but I've never said what I'm about to say. There's a whole new dvatar on this. Yeah, but you're going to hear that my answer is totally different than I've ever said. So, he was scared because he was old and his hands were shaking, right? Ma'as HaKosh Baruch what did Hashem do? What did Hashem do? Shalach Yono, Hashem sent out his hand. Bo'ochaz Imo, and he held on to Avram Avinu's hand. And he did, and he helped Avram do the brisk, because if God's holding your hand, he's not shaking. And that's why we say in the morning when we daven before us Yashir, Bechoras Imo Habris. We all say that in davening. And Bechoras Imo Habris. And he, he circumcised with him the bris. What's who's the with him? Hashem. So we always learned, and all my sure in the past years, that everyone should learn a very important lesson from this. That even Avram Avinu could be scared. So don't be scared to be scared. You're like, I can't believe, why am I so scared? I'm, I don't have bitachon, I don't have imuna, I shouldn't be scared. Avraham Avinu was scared, his hands were shaking. But it doesn't make any sense. That shot doesn't make any sense. Why? 
What was he scared of? He's going to hurt himself? He jumped into a kifshin of Aish. It hurts a lot more. He was willing to burn to death. Can you imagine the pain? He went into a fire. He wasn't scared that it was going to hurt him, but he's scared he might cut a little bit wrong. Oh my gosh, I'm not doing it. My hands are shaking. Forget about it. Make any sense? How can you be scared of that? So I used to learn, we have to learn from that, that he was human. That's what he used to learn. And you're human and you're scared and your hand's shaking and Hashem sees that you want to do the right thing. Hashem will hold your hand. It was one of my questions on a quiz once. Whose hand did Hashem hold in the Torah? It was like, oh, what are you talking about? You, know, you want to hold my hand? It's a song or whatever. What are we talking about? I say, yeah, Hashem held Abraham Avinu's hand. Why? Because his hand was shaking. The only hand that God ever held in the Torah was a hand that was shaking because the hand was scared. And the only mouth that God ever kissed his mouth to his mouth was a mouth that stuttered and, 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 and couldn't talk correctly and, and, and had a lisp and, it, and was burnt and his tongue was burnt and his, his lips were burnt and twisted. The only mouth Hashem kissed was Moshe Rabbeinu's mouth. So the only hand Hashem held was a hand that shakes. And the only mouth that Hashem kissed is a mouth that was dysfunctional. And what a lesson that we learned that Akash Baruch Hu is the closest to the people who who go through pain, who go through trauma, who are shaking. Okay, separate share. Different share, different thought, but an important, a very important thought in life. What's going on over here? What was Avraham Avinu scared of? It can't be pain. He wasn't scared of pain. He jumped into a fire. The answer is amazing. He was so scared that Hashem gave him this huge mitzvah and if his hands are shaking, he's going to mess up the bris. And if he's going to mess up the bris, he's not going to get the mitzvah bris milah. And you can't do a bris twice. So he was scared, my hands are shaking, that if I'm going to mess up this mitzvah that Hashem just gave me, I'm never going to get a chance to do this mitzvah again. He was scared of messing up the mitzvah. So Kosh Baruch Hu said, he wasn't scared of pain, that's not what was going on here. In the following Rashi, definitely he wasn't scared of pain. Baruch Hu said, you want to do a mitzvah and you're scared that you're not going to do the mitzvah correctly? I'm going to hold your hand and make sure that the mitzvah is done correctly. That was his fear. His fear wasn't pain. His fear was failing in this new, unbelievable mitzvah. Now, we have spoken about spiritual DNA many times. The book that I'm writing on spiritual DNA and that, that in the physical world you have the DNA of your parents a physical DNA, and you have the spiritual DNA. We all have from Abraham Avinu that he's a Balchesed. That way, a Jew who is not a Balchesed, you have to check out. Maybe they're not Jewish because it's in our DNA to, you know, to um, it's in our DNA to to be Rachamim, Bnei Rachamim. Person who doesn't have Rachamim may not be a Jew. It's in our DNA to to die. Al Kiddush Hashem. How many thousands of Jews in the Spanish Inquisition died, and how many Jews in the times of the base of just jumped off? That we were willing to die. The Kiddush Hashem, where does that come from, that you're willing to die like Kiddush Hashem? That comes from Avraham Avinu and the Kifshan of Eish. The minute he went into the Kifshan of Eish, there was no more a big Nisayan for us to die for Hashem. Because once someone does it, it's in the world. So there's a thing called spiritual name. The Benel Salafcha, they fought for Eretz Yisrael because they came from Yosef. And we know that Rashi says that Yosef loved Eretz Yisrael. So automatically they had this thing in them. They didn't even know why. They had this crazy love for Israel, and they want a nachal in Israel. 
There's a thing called spiritual DNA. You see it a lot, and I can tell you hundreds of stories of stories now and stories in the Torah where you see spiritual DNA. This fear of messing up a mitzvah that Avram had here because he was old and his hands were shaking, because he had that fear and Hashem held his hand, the next generation, which was Yitzchak, so we all know the sacrifice of Yitzchak that Avram did, is not, who was who being tested there? Who was being tested? Who's in his Was that Kedas Yitzchak? Was Avram's Nisayin? Wasn't Yitzchak's Nisayin? It was one of Avram's ten Nisayinists. Wasn't Yitzchak's Nisayin? It was Nisayin to ask a father to kill his kid, and it's his only kid that he's going to have children from that is going to be Klaizer. So why you call it a Kedas Yitzchak? Why don't you call it Karban Avram? Why is it a Kedas Yitzchak? Why is it called a Kedas Yitzchak? It wasn't his test. He wasn't going to die. I mean, he, he, was, he didn't have a choice. Avraham Avinu was the test was Avraham Avinu. And the answer is that the, the beauty of that whole story wasn't Avraham Avinu. It wasn't even the Shechita of Yitzchak. It should have been, all right, you don't want to call it the carbon Avraham Avinu, call it carbon Yitzchak. It's called the Akedah of Yitzchak. What's Akedah? What was the Akedah? Akedah means to tie up. But that wasn't the big thing that he got tied up. The big thing was he was willing to die. No. That was all the commandment of Hashem. Hashem told Abraham Avinu, bring him up as a carbon. So uh, he had a command, right, to bring him up as a carbon, even though it's a hard thing. But if God came and gave you a command, okay, I understand that you're doing it. Yitzchak was being brought up as a carbon. He knew that his father was commanded to bring him as a carbon. So he wasn't going to fight Hashem if that's what Hashem wants, right? The only thing, at the, the, the main thing that happened at the Akedah Yitzchak that was extra was that Yitzchak said, tie me up. And Rabbi said, why should I tie you up? Hashem didn't say tie you up. He says, because when I see the knife coming down, I'm scared I'm going to move my neck, right? Because you see the knife coming down. And when I move my neck, you're going to shecht me, but it's going to be a mum, because you're going to, there's going to be a blemish, and there's going to be a mum, and I'm going to die, and the carbon's not going to be a good carbon, and we miss this crazy mitzvah. So Yitzhak Avinu said, tie me down so that I don't shake, so that I don't move my neck, so that we don't miss this mitzvah. Where did that come from? Where did that DNA come from? It came from the bris meal of Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu said, I can't do this, I might mess it up. My hands are shaking. Make sure my hands don't shake, Hashem. Hashem held on to his hands. So now when he came to his son Yitzchak, Yitzchak said, listen, that Yitzchak got shechted, he listened to Hashem. That Avram shechted him, he listened to Hashem. So we're not calling it Shechitas Avram or Shechitas Yitzchak. Akedas Yitzchak. No one told you to get tied up. You wanted to get tied up to make sure that you wouldn't mess up the mitzvah. That's what's special about the situation. That's the schus for Klai Yisrael. That you took the extra step above what Hashem told you to do. Where did Yitzchak get that from? In the midst of Brismila by Avram Avinu. That's exactly what happened here. He said, I can't do this. My hand's shaking. I'm going to mess up the mitzvah. Hashem, you need to help me. And that's what Hashem did. Now, the question is, why didn't Hashem just do the whole bris? Hashem should have said, give me the knife. I'll, I'll circumcise you. Not only that, had Hashem done the circumcision, he would have been healed immediately. He wouldn't have never been sick, Avram Avinu. If Hashem does the surgery, it heals immediately. So the question is, why didn't Hashem 
he had to put his hand out, and he held Abraham Avinu's hand. Throw the mail up, be the mile. The lesson is that God is not an enabler. He's like, no, you have to take the action. I'll hold your hand, but I'm not doing it for you. You got to do the work. I'll help you do the work, but I will not help you do the work. I will help you do the work, but I will not do it. And therefore, Abraham Avinu, if you hold a knife, I'll hold your hand. But if you put the knife down and say, Hashem, come here, give me a bris. No, no can do. And it's one of the biggest problems. We're like, Hashem, why don't you do this for me? Hashem's like, it's not the way I work. I'm not an enabler. You have to do it. And where do we see this? Where else do we see this? Let's see if you remember. Where do we see this? In Pasha Shmos. Where do we see this? Same thing. Anyone know? Two, pla- two, two places, one in Shmos and one in Mashalach. What? Right. Basia came to the edge of the water. There's a boat. Who knows how far away? She puts her hand out, says Rashi. Her hand becomes like Gumby. It stretches all the way out. Right? Hashem makes this crazy miracle. Woo! The hand goes out, I don't know, hundreds of yards. And he makes a... Hashem, why don't you just bring a wind? It's a basket in the water. Bring a little wind. And the basket will float to her. You have to make a miracle that a woman's hand becomes, stretches out. What are you doing? And the answer is, no. I'm not bringing a win for the basket. You got to put your hand out. If you put your hand out and you want to save this child, I'll help you. But I'm not doing it for you. Avram Avinu, I'll help you do the bris. But I'm not doing it for you. Where else do we see this? The Jews are stuck. The Arabs are behind them. The Egyptians are behind them. The war is in front of them. They're crying their eyes out to Hashem. Help us, save us, hey, right? Why didn't Hashem just split the Yamsuf? You brought them there. You told them you're taking to Eretz Yisrael. Split the Yamsuf. The Egyptians are behind them. And Hashem said, no, I'm not splitting the Yamsuf until someone goes into the water above their nose and then I'm, and then I'm going to split the Yamsuf. Just do it. Like, what? No. No, the person has to do the action. You need help? I'll help you, but I'm not doing it for you. And really, in sports and in bringing up your children and everything in life, don't be an enabler. You can't swing the bat. The coach can't swing the bat for the player. No coach ever got on the basketball, a basketball coach ever got on the court in the middle of the game and said, okay, I'll give me the ball. He's like, you got to get off the bench, guy. I don't, I don't want to quote Goyen, but um, I was a very big hockey guy and... Um, there's a guy, Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky is the greatest hockey player that ever lived. It's not important in your life. Maybe on a date, someone will ask you, like, who's the greatest hockey player? Drop him if you ask you that. But anyway, <laughs> right? So, like, who's the, ho- who's the greatest hockey player that ever lived? Wayne Gretzky. The most goals of any hockey player. So this guy, I, I saw him play. He's like the skinny, skinny, like, guy, like, not a big, tall guy, very skinny, very fast. You could, like, swat him like a fly. And they could never catch him. And he scored the most goals. So, one of the reporters, oh, I love this, even though it's from him, but maybe he's Jewish. Anyway, it's got to be. He said something smart. But um, no, I'm not a racist. So, so he, he, they asked him, what, what, my high, like, why, how? Like, how did you become the greatest hockey player that ever lived? He said, I learned something when I was very young in hockey, and that's why I scored the most goals. He said, what would you learn? He said, you miss, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. You don't take the shot, it can't go in. He said, I, t- I got the puck, 
I shot it towards the net. It hit a skate, it went in, it hit a board, it went in, it hit this, it hit that. But if I don't shoot it towards the net, if I don't take the shot, it won't go in. So you miss 100% of the chances you don't take. If you don't take the chance, it ain't happening. So, because Baruch Hu wants us to take the step. But, but I'm going to fall. I, I won't let you fall, but I'm not taking the step for you. And in life, you have to live your life that way. And when it comes to mitzvahs, it's like, I'm very scared. I don't know how I'm going to do the mitzvah. Hashem's like, if you're scared, you're not going to do the mitzvah correctly, I'm going to help you. But I'm not going to do the mitzvah for you. And you see it, Batya. And you see it by, I never understood this. When I was preparing the shir this week, it hit me in the head. What's with the makas? Every maka, Moshaben had to do something else. Take a bunch of dust, throw it up in the air, and everyone's going to get boils. Just say, boils. You talk, that's Hashem. Boils. What's with the throwing up the smoke and it had to come from an oven? What's with the putting the stick out above the water? Blood. Blood. Frogs. Frogs. What, what's all this stuff that he had to, every, every maka, he had to do something else. And the answer is, Hashem said, you have to take an action. You want blood? Put the stick out. You want, you want lice? Hit the ground, Aaron. You, you have to hit the ground. Say lice. To hit the ground? Like what? You have to take an action. Because Baruch Hu wants us to take an action. And if you're scared, he says, I'll hold your hand. But I'm not doing it for you. And a lot of us, we think that bitachin and emunah means that Hashem is going to do, I'm not going on dates, they're going to call me. Hashem is like, if you go on a date, I'm going to help you find the right guy and know who the right guy is. But if you think you're going to sit home and they're just going to knock on your door because I have a muna, what's, what's the action that you took? It's very beautiful. Even, even in Shidduchim, even in marriage. So it says that 40 days before a person comes into the world, they announce who you're going to marry. So it also brings down that why God bring emotion to the world? Why did he bring emotion to the world? Because of husband and wife, that's it. That's the only reason there's, a, there's, there's emotion in the world. That's sort of the spirituality between the husband and the wife, is emotion. And it's a very fascinating message that the snake, who had a Mrs. Snake, he had a female snake, so why was he jealous? Rashi says he was jealous, and he wanted to get Chava to be his wife. So he was hoping that Chava would give from this tree to, she messed it up, she ate, she wasn't supposed to eat. She was supposed to give it to, to Adam. Adam will eat from the tree, Adam will die, and then Nachash will get her. That was his plan. Og had the same plan. He came now from the five, four kings. He told Avram, load is captured. He figured Avram is going to go war. He's going to get killed. And the Hapalit was Og, and he's going to marry, he's going to marry Sari Menu. So, so the question is, like, by, by, you know, by the Nachash, you had, you had a Mrs. Nachash. What, what did you need Chava for? You had a female Nachash. So the Medrash says that he saw Adam and Chava when they were together, that they were laughing and joking and talking to each other. And by the snake, there was no such relationship. It was just a physical relationship to have children. But there was no talking between husband and wife. And he was jealous of it. He was jealous of that. He was jealous of the emotion. So the question is, why do we need to have emotions? If Hashem is saying, who well, I'm going to marry anyway, 40 days before I come to the world, so uh, I'll be like a kangaroo. Mr. and Mrs. Kangaroo, they don't buy each other cards. They don't buy flowers. They don't say, I love you. They don't, they don't do any of that stuff. They don't get down on one knee. They don't propose. Then there's nothing like, there's no romance. So, so if Hashem said, who well, I'm going to marry anyway, what do I need the romance for? 
What do you need emotions for? So the beautiful tarots I heard, beautiful answer. But when it comes to relationships, even if Hashem said, who are you going to marry? If there's going to be no work between the two of you, it's not going to work. It's a huge, huge word. That even though Hashem said her to him, but if you, the male, the female, the male, because there's three partners in the marriage. If it was that Hashem said you're going to get married and that's the whole thing, then there's no, there's no three partners, there's one partner. Hashem put these two together. There's no partner. What's the partner? The partner means there's three working partners. A wife is working. Husband, right? well, it doesn't mean working in, in the workplace. It means working on the marriage. So what Hashem wants us as human beings to take a step and to put out your hand. I, I can't reach it. How's this going to work? I want to buy a ranch. It's too much money. I want to do this. I don't have the skills. I want to do that. I don't know what... what. Hashem says, you really want to do it with Shema? You really want to give yourself a bris milah and you're worried that it's not going to work out? I'll hold your hand. You really want to save that little baby crying out there in the basket? Your hand's going to stretch. But I'm not blowing with the wind the baby to you. You have to take an action. The Yam should split to save Israel. Everybody's standing there. And what were they doing? Do you know what they were doing when they were standing by the Yamsuf? You know what Rashi says? They were davening. What do you do when you're in trouble? What are you supposed to do? You take out a tail of a daven, right? Listen to this Pasuk. It's just, it's all a proof of what I'm saying. Pasuk Bashalach. Doesn't make any sense. Does not make sense. So they're standing by the Yamsuf. They're stuck, right? So this is what happens. It's a very important we if you want to do something in life, yes, it's you need Hashem's help, you need Sat Shemana. I didn't bring the I brought the wrong measure I was looking for, but I'll tell it to you by heart. An amazing story. Rav Khanina Ben Dosa. I believe that the story was Rabhanina Ben Dosa. But look at what happens there. So the 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 stuck. They say, Aren't there enough graves in Mitzrayim? You took us to die? Right? We're stuck over here. We're going to die? I'll tell you, don't worry. You'll see Hashem's going to help us. And they started praying to Hashem. Stop davening. What are you crying about? What are you screaming about? What are you davening about? You're doing the wrong thing. Dabel b'nei Yisrael, talk to the Jews, v'yisau, and tell them to go. Ask everybody. I don't understand. Hashem is yelling at Moshe Rabbeinu, why are you davening? Why are you davening? Tell them to go. What does a Jew do when you're in trouble? Moshe Rabbeinu was doing the right thing. He's like, we're in big trouble. We're about to all die. Let's everybody say to him. Everybody go to shul. Let's have a minyan. Let's learn Tyra. Hashem says, no. If you want the Yam to split, Dabru B'nai Yisrael, tell them, you so, somebody has to take an action. You take the action, I will help the Yam split. You stand there and pray, Yam's not splitting. Why? Why wasn't prayer enough? Because for the Yam to split, you had to break Teva. You had to break nature. To break nature, you have to take an action. Davening was not enough. So we see in so many places that God doesn't enable us. But he says, you want miracles to happen? You want things to happen? You need to take the step. But I'm scared, but I don't know what to do. It's okay. You're allowed to be scared. Abraham Avinu was scared. 
but he was scared that he was going to mess up what he was supposed to do. He wasn't scared that he was going to get hurt. He was scared that he was going to mess up the mitzvah. And therefore he's like, I, you know, I want to open a yeshiva and I want to help kids. But I'm worried, maybe I'm not going to have the right teachers, maybe I have the wrong ideas, whatever it is, but I really want to help kids. I don't know if I should do this because Kosh Baruch is going to help you. He's going to help you. But you've got to open the yeshiva. You have to make the keli. If you don't make the keli, if you don't make the vessel, you can't put the water in it. You know, I, I, deal with, um, I deal with a lot of kids that are in a very bad place and, and um, they have to go to rehab. And before the ranch was open, there was no rehab, and the ranch is not a rehab for drugs, it's a rehab for mental health. So today there is no rehab drugs for Jewish girls. There's for boys in, in, in L.A., there's Chabad, there's, there's two of them in, 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 in Florida. But if a, if a Jewish girl comes to me and she says, I'm, I'm doing cocaine or I'm doing heroin or whatever, I'm an addict, and I need to go to rehab for 30 days, 90 days, whatever it is, I have to send her to a Goyish place where she's going to eat pork and she's going to be Chal Shabbos and there may be Mormons and not Jews and hang out with people that are going to teach them really bad things. So when I first got involved in this, I went to all the big tzaddikim and rabbis, tzaddikim, litvisha, chassidisha, whatever it is, and I'm like, how can we send a girl to a place that we know that maybe she'll come out alive and healthy, but she's going to be a guy. Maybe it's better she just stays an addict as a Jew. Whatever happens, happens. But at least she's not eating trafe. And every single rabbi said, are you crazy? You have to keep them alive. So even if they eat pork and they don't keep Shabbos and they shave their heads and they, and they get tattoos and they get t- 25 piercings, your job is to keep them alive. And if this rehab that you're going to send them to is going to help them stay alive, that's your job. Why? Because, and the parents are like, no, you, you got to talk to them Yiddish guy, and, you gotta, and they got to do this, and you got to learn. And, and I'm like, you don't have a keli, she's broken. So all the stuff you're teaching her and putting it, just going into her and going right out. You have to make a keli, you have to make a vessel that's not broken, so we have to get her mentally healthy. Once you're mentally healthy, we'll talk about Shabbos, we'll talk about kosher, we'll talk about sneers. If you're not mentally healthy, what are you doing? You have to create a keli. The first thing you have to do is create that keli. So yes, we were sending them to the, all these places because we don't have a rehab for Jewish girls and, and some of them come back Goyim. They come back healthy Goyim. We, we, we sent them a sick Jewish girl and we get back a healthy guy. I'm not so happy about that. I'm happy they're healthy, but they don't believe in anything anymore. They went to a liberal rehab where they're atheists and they're pro all the stuff that is against the Torah. But Allah is that you have to save the life because because if they're if they're not alive, they're definitely not going to keep Shabbos. You have to you have to have a live being. You have to you have to you have to fix the person. So that's our focus. Our focus is in is in making the keli and and, and you have to you have to you have to you got to hold my hand. I've asked him since I learned this Rashi many years ago. I've asked God to hold my hand many times. I don't know if he's tired yet. I don't think he's tired. I think you're tired of holding your hand. God never gets tired of holding your hand. There are times I've taken on stuff I just don't see it working. I know it has to work. I know we need it to work. Just don't see it working. And then you have this like crazy Seattle from from nowhere. Someone shows up and they're like, Oh, you need that? Oh, I'll help you. And you're like, Where'd you come from? Oh, I heard your shear five years ago and 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 I meant to call you, but I didn't have that. And it, you just see that if you put your hand out and you really want to do the right thing, Hashem holds your hand. And it's a very big lesson. And we see it from Abraham Avinu. 
Ramalina was scared that he wouldn't do the mitzvah correctly, so he'd rather not do the mitzvah at all. Because once he did the bris, if it didn't, if it was wrong, he doesn't get another chance. So he's like, I'm gonna, I can't do this. If I mess up, I'm, it's messed up. So he didn't do the bris. He didn't do the bris. I can't do it. But, but, this is very important. I don't want to get into the graphics of it. Rashi's very specific that he took the action. He didn't sit and say, can't do the bris. I'm really worried about this. You know, can't do this. You know, Hashem, come on, give me a hand. He what he had the knife in his hand. He what he had. I don't want to be graphic, but what Rashi says he had the orla, the extra piece of skin that has to be cut off, was in his hand. He had the piece of skin and he had the knife and he was gonna, I'm going to cut. I can't do it. So it's not that he sat back and said, "Okay, Hashem, help me out." He took the action. He couldn't finish the action. Shmuel said, "I'll hold your hand." You can't just sit back and say, God help me. Split the yamsuf. That kid there, bring the basket, give me a win. It doesn't work. It's not, for whatever reason, because you're like, why doesn't Hashem do that for you? I, I, he doesn't do it. I can just tell you, he doesn't do it in the whole Torah. He doesn't do it for you. You have to do it. You have to take the action. You have to go into Eretz Yisrael and go to war with seven nations. God, give them a disease, kill them all. You do the action. Why don't we have to go into, hey, Kanani, Amalek, all this, we have to go to war. You're God, wipe them out. Explosion, nuclear bomb, the earth opens up, they all get swallowed in. You do the action. Even by Koirach. By Koirach, he went against Abraham, he went against Moshe Rabbeinu. What did Moshe Rabbeinu tell him to do? He said, all 250 of you, take a pan, put spices, katoris in the pan, light it up, and we'll see what Hashem wants or what he doesn't want. And they lit it up, and they weren't kahanim, and the earth opened up, and it swallowed them all up. Why Moshe Rabbeinu just say, swallow them all up? Like, you don't have to do, no pans, no fires, no katoris, no nothing. Just swall, open up and swallow them up. No, they had to do an action. They did an action against Hashem. They did an action against Hashem. It works both ways. You do an action against Hashem, he'll help you go down. You do an action for Hashem, it's, it's, I saw somewhere, I don't want to get into it because I have to really look it up much more. Midarach, Sha'adam, the way a person goes, Malikhan, the way he goes, they're going to help him. It doesn't only talk about mitzvahs. If you want to go to a movie and you want to do an Aveira, it'll get you the fastest bus that you can get there. What do you mean, Hashem? Interfere? Not, no. The way you want to go is the way Hashem is going to help you. That's why every time I used to go to a shear, I wanted to go to a shear. And there's traffic, and my car doesn't stop, and I forgot my keys, and I go back in the house. And you know, it's an amazing shear. But when you when you got to go to your shear, and the car starts, and there's no traffic all the way to shul, every red light is green. Every red light is green. The rabbi didn't show up for the shear. For sure not. You get there, you're like, oh, he's sick, he didn't show up tonight. Of course, there was no, there was no, no red lights. Of course, there was something wrong. But, but that's what it says. So even, even if you want to do something wrong, and you put your hand out to do the something wrong, unless you have schusim, they're going to help you do something wrong. It works both ways. It goes by the will of what you want to do. Of course, you have schusim, and Hashem will get in the way, whatever. Okay. So when I end, I'm sorry that I was a salate tonight. I can't find this. I wanted to read this message I'm about to tell you from inside, because it's much nicer from inside. But I brought, I brought your Hashem the second chalik instead of shirashim, the first chalik. So it's meant to be, I'm going to say it by heart, Rav Chanina Ben Dosa. So in the times of the Beis Hamidrash, in the times of Rav Chanina Ben Dosa, everybody was bringing korbanos to Yerushalayim to bring sacrifices 
So Akashbaruch went to Beis Hamikdash, but he was a very poor man. He had nothing. He felt very bad. He didn't know what to do. So he went into the mountains. And he found a big rock, free mountains. It didn't belong to anyone. And he, he cut out the rock and he painted it. And he said, "This rock is going to be one of the rocks in the walls of the Beis Hamikdash." But it, it weighed tons. You couldn't carry it. So it says that there was a bunch of a whole caravan of of of, of men. And he went over to them, and he said to them, could you carry this to Eretz Yisrael for me? Put it on your wagon and carry it to Eretz Yisrael. And they said, if you have a hundred golden coins, we'll take it. And he said, I don't have a hundred golden coins. I don't even have fifty golden coins. And they said, have a nice day. And they left. Ten malachim show up. Ten angels show up, says the Medrash, dressed as human beings. He doesn't know they're angels. And they said to him, what are you doing? What's going on? He says, well, I painted this rock. I'm a big bitch. I have no money. Um, would you help me get this to Israel? He said, how? He, he, they said, yes. He said, how much do you want for it? They said, five cents. Five pennies. Five pennies? Yeah, we're going there anyway. This is fantastic. Okay, could you guys lift it and take it? He go, they go, no. It's on one condition. You have to put your hand under the stone. You have to help us. Now, of course, this was tons no human being could, could do this. Okay. He puts his hand on the stone, says the Medrash, in one second, one second, they're in Yushalayim by the Beis HaMikdash. Yushalayim by the Beis HaMikdash. He turns around to pay them the five cents. They're gone. He's like, oh my gosh, I feel like a Ganif. I didn't pay them. He goes to Besdin in Yushalayim. He tells Besdin, ah, I met them on five cents, and then I, in five seconds we were here, I know who these guys are, whatever. And Bethan says, they were angels. For sure they were angels. Right? They were angels. So give us the five cents, and we'll give the five cents to Tzedakah, because you're never going to see them again. Ask the Chazal and the Medrash. Well, why did he have to put his hand under the stone? He couldn't lift it anyway. They didn't need him. They were angels. What did he have to put his hand under the stone for? Medrash says something amazing. The Medrash says that the angels couldn't lift the stone. And they needed siyata deshmaya from God. And the only way they could get siyata deshmaya was through a human being. Because angels don't have siyata deshmaya. So they said, if you put your hand on the stone, through you, God will give us the energy to take the stone. You hear this? The angels couldn't do it without the human being siyata deshmaya. So he had to put his hand on the stone. He didn't do anything. He had no power, right? But he had to put his hand on the stone. That's what God wants from all of us listening to this shit tonight. You, you, you're right. It's too, too big for you. A lot of things in life are too big for you. You're right. You're a human being. You can't do it. Jim says, I'll do it. But if you want the siyat and the shmaya to find the shidduch, if you want the siyat and the shmaya to make a panasa, if you want the siyat and the shmaya in your life, the only siyata deshmaya that can happen is through you. Not through angels, through you. And if you don't, if you don't put your hand, if you have, as they say, and I think the Syrians use the word flus when it comes to money, if you don't have any flus in the game, you don't have any investment in the game, nothing's gonna happen. And therefore, Chanina Mendoza had to put his hand on the rock even though it had nothing to do with him. It's a, it's a, maybe the translation on the Medrash that the, siyat, the power of the angels to take the stone didn't come from them. It came from him. And therefore, if he didn't put his hand on the rock, there would be no satsh in, in, in the stone itself. So we want Mashiach. 
And we're davening from Mashiach, is you got to do more than davening from Mashiach. You have to take a step. You have to take an action. Take an action, you can bring Mashiach. Just by davening, it's like by the, it's, it, of course you have to daven, but it's like by, by the Yamsuf. What did you do to bring Mashiach? What did you change in your life? Who did you help? What action did you take? Did you put your hand out when you saw a kid struggling in school? Did you put your hand out like Batya Basparo because she heard a child crying? When you hear children crying, when you hear people suffering that are Jewish, do you put your hand out? Or are you like, I want to say, I'm not a therapist. Or you want me to talk to this kid? I'm not a therapist. She also couldn't reach the kid. She didn't have a hand that, that went 400 yards. But she put her hand out. So you're not a therapist. Who cares? Talk to the kid. Hashem will give you. I can't tell you how many times I give a shear or I, or I talk to somebody and, and, and they're asking me questions and the answers, I, I don't, where did that answer come from? I, after I said it, they're like, wow, that's so smart. I'm like, I'm not so smart. That's the other Shemaya. Words come out of your mouth that you didn't even prepare to say. Like, Kodesh Baruch says, just, just talk to the kid. I'll put the words in your mouth. He said that to Moshe Rabbeinu. When you go to Paro, he's worried, you stutter, he can't talk. He says, what are you worried about? I'm talking. From your mouth, I'm talking. From you putting your hand under the brick, I'm carrying the stones. But you've got to put your hand under the brick. You've got to open your mouth. You open your mouth, I'm in your mouth. That's what it says in the Torah. I'm in your disability. I am in your mouth. Everyone has to get a very big chizik from this Rashi. The chizik from this Rashi is, yes, you're allowed to be scared. Abraham Avinu was scared. You're allowed to be scared that you're not going to be able to do it perfectly. And it's not going to come out the way you want to. Hashem says, fine, you start the action. I'll hold your hand. You want Hashem to hold your hand? You got you to put your hand out. You got to do something. You put your hand out, he'll hold your hand. And we all have the schuss that Hashem should always be holding our hands. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.